Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, it's a little bit after the hour. Good morning, everyone. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with uh, Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Uh, thanks for tuning in for the next few hours, uh, talking financial planning, retirement planning, taxes, investments. Ten golden rules of investing for a richer retirement. That's the headline. Wow, that got me right there. Yeah. Yeah, but people are freaked out right now, Al. The, of course they are. The market yeah. is yeah. You know, a little volatile. Sure, yeah. But it's, it was a good week this yeah, week. better week for sure. Better week. Um, let's see. If you looked at Friday, Monday, or no, the markets were closed Monday. Weren't yeah, they were closed Monday. Day? Yeah, so we, had, we basically had- Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Or Thursday was flat. Yeah, Thursday was flat. We had three days of growth. Friday, Tuesday, Almost 800 Wednesday. points, though. Over yes, 800 points. right. And Tuesday- It's yeah, three days. Thursday was flat, and, and Friday uh, was kind of mixed, a little bit down. Three days, Al. Almost 1,000 points. Yeah, we like that. And then so, you know, when people went into cash, they might have missed about 800 points in the old yes. Dow Jones Industrial Average. Right. You know, I was listening to this radio program, and he's a market timer. Okay. Right? Yeah. And, man, he's he's a good salesman. Yeah. Right. And it's like, man, if you're not in cash right now, you're going to lose all your money. Making and a look big at mistake. 2008, you know, look at this. And, sure. And it's like when you listen to it, it sounds because, he's, you know, you're selling that fear. Of course. You know, right. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty powerful it emotion when you're dealing with your you. money. Yes. I don't want to lose any money. So if this person has that crystal ball to let me know when I should get in and out of the overall market, I think yeah. I should listen to them. Exactly. No one has that information, folks. Um, and then you might be saying, well, Joe, you're probably just saying that because you don't have the information. <laughs> and guess that's, what? You're right. I that's, don't have that's that information. What I, that, I guarantee that's what everyone's I, thinking. I guarantee you. I do not have that information, but no one else has that information because it's very difficult to time. Well, so I, that's I, what we don't talk about on this show. We talk about things that you can control. You can't control the stock markets. You can't control interest rates. You can't control yeah. the, the price of oil. We can't control China. Right. We can't control what the Pope is saying about Donald Trump. <laughs> He's not a Christian. Did you I, know yeah, I, I just spun that out. <laughs> anyway, um, you know what? Well, I can sort of prove it to you guys as to as to why nobody has a crystal ball. Because you look at you look at any publication or go go to CNBC um, um, website, and so if the market's going up for two three days, they have all the bulls on. Here's the reason why the market's going to go up in the next two. Couple yeah, but years. you very rarely hear. The predictions, in a sense, because when you watch those programs and things like that, they, I mean, they can tell you hindsight what happened in the markets, and the markets went up because of this, and the markets yeah. went down because of that. I know, but here's my but point. But a million different things happen throughout the day when it comes well, to that's, thousands that, of securities are trading That's hands. true, too. But I guess what I'm going to say is when the market goes down a few days, all the negative you know, bears come out, start talking about why this is going to continue. And then when the market goes up a couple of days, all the bulls come out and say why it's going to continue. And it's just a bunch of hogwash. Hogwash. How do you like that word? That's from my generation, Joe. It's just a bunch of hogwash. <laughs> you know, but the, here's the fact of the matter is, is that what we try to talk about on this program here, your money or wealth, 
are things that you can control in, in, in being a little bit smart about how you're dealing with your money because everyone has hopes of retiring you know, someday, and hopefully it's real soon. But you know, when you take a look at it, I've been doing this close to 20 years. Um, Al's been doing this over 30 years. And you know, when it comes to managing a career or raising your family, there's very little time left for you to focus on creating a retirement game plan. Plus, the amount of information that goes into planning for retirement, it's overwhelming. I mean, if you would Google retirement, you would spend your entire retirement on the internet, <laughs> right? And so you save, you hope, and you dream, but at the end of the day, you still don't have a plan. Should you invest in the stock market today or should you run for the hills? I don't know, right? Because that's what's going on. It's like, maybe I should wait until things get a little bit better. Then that's when I'm going to invest. Or how and when is the best way to optimize your Social Security benefits? How will you withdraw your money from your IRA or 401k so it doesn't needlessly cost you thousands in taxes, penalties, or fees? And how do you make your money last in retirement? How do you know that money's going to be there for the next 20, 30, in some cases, 40 years? So Al and I and our crack research team, we pulled out the best strategies, the most significant strategies that you could implement to make the biggest impact on your money and your retirement. So that's what we're going to try to get through over the next couple of hours is really try to help you to implement some certain things versus, you know, looking at a crystal ball and wondering, you know, what's going to happen to the markets tomorrow. Because if you think about it like this, is that most of you have a 30, 40 year time frame, And I know some of you are thinking, well, wait a minute, I'm currently retired, or maybe I'm retiring next year or five years or 10 years. That's my time frame. No, your time frame's end of life, right? And most people are living a heck of a lot longer than they ever have before. So you want to make sure that you have enough capital in your overall portfolio to maintain that lifestyle. And I would say most of you that are listening right now need to take some risk in the portfolio. So what does that mean? You need to have money in the stock market. You need to have money in the real estate market, right? Commodities and everything else. And so with these blips that we experience from time to time is a blip. You're not going to remember what happened. You know, in February of 2016 or January of 2016, 10 years from now, or maybe even, you know, 10 weeks from now, right? We don't know what's going to happen in the future, but if you believe in capitalism, in the overall fact that most companies want to grow, build their profits, and increase the bottom line, well, you want to invest in some of those companies. And so if you don't invest in some of those companies, and if you invest in cash, CDs, money markets, things like that, what's the 10-year treasury, Al? It's like one and a half, yeah. 1.6 something. Definitely below two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it's like, all right, well, what do you do with the money? Well, control the things that you can control. Make sure that you have a game plan in place to take a look at how much money that you need for your lifestyle. Make sure that you're doing everything you possibly can to reduce the overall taxes on the distribution that you're taking. Take appropriate amount of risk in the overall portfolio. Be completely diversified. Manage your fees. Rebalance tax manage. Right? It doesn't have to be as complicated because right now stocks are a lot cheaper than they were, what, six months ago. Right. So now is the time to be buying and rebalancing. So if you look at it in a microscope, you're going to freak yourself out. But if you look at more of a longer-term horizon, I think you'll look at this and say, all right, well, here, this is normal. The probability of the stock market to go down is high. Yeah, we know it's going to go down. But if you look over the long term, right, the stock market has gone up 70% of the time. 
right? 30% of years, it goes down. 70% of the time, it goes up. I like those odds. Yeah, better odds. And I think that's the key. Investing should be long-term, right? Should be very long-term. And when you think about investing, I suppose maybe we'll back up one second. There's basically two styles. There's people that are more tactical. They get in and out. Now's the time to be in the market. Now's the time to get out. And then there's those that stay fully invested in through all periods of time. And so you would think, well... Gosh, the tactical one, that sounds that sounds better because maybe someone's got the crystal ball as to when to get in and out. But here's what's interesting. If you look at the academic research for the last 50 or 60 years, what you'll find is those that stay invested do better than those that try to time the market. Right, because you don't know when the market's going to go back up. So you, you get out of the market, what's the alternative? You go into cash, that's not going to pay you anything. So you want to make sure that you have a balanced, globally diversified portfolio and making sure that your retirement lasts. Okay, we're just getting started. Don't go anywhere. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're assuming they're, they're clapping? Yes. Very excited. <laughs> That couple minutes of uh, commercial break was yes. just killing them. And they just could hardly wait for us to get back just... on, right? Uh boy. Well, you know, it's a beautiful day here in Southern California. Yes. And, um, you know, we get listeners all over the place. I think we do. other listeners in different parts of the country. <laughs> well, now we're big because we're on podcast. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, what I'm so, saying. So and if you want to listen to our podcast, you can go to iTunes or you can go to our website, purefinancial.com. But, uh, yeah, we've got people now that, that write us and call us from New Jersey, Texas, all over. Yeah. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. <laughs> Still waiting for our first international call. Yes. If you're listening, if you're in Europe, please let us know you're listening. Uh, Alan, um, did you know that there is 10 golden rules for retirement planning? I do. I got the same article right in front of me. Um, all right. Let's go through this real quickly here. We got about uh, eight or nine minutes, so we can spend about 60 seconds or On so. On each one. Okay. On each one. Fair enough. So educate yourself is number one. So you can take part in the planning process. I think that is very, very important because at Pure Financial Advisors, a uh, little plug there, uh, our company that Al and I work for, is that um, education is key. That We've been doing this radio show for 10 years. Um, we teach a lot of retirement planning courses at um, local universities, community colleges. Um, if you go to our website, we have a learning center. I think that has over 200 videos on it. Um, what we try to do is make sure that we empower people to, 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 because no one cares about their money more than you. You know what I mean? And so if you don't understand things, you have to be educated and knowledgeable about at least you don't have to get in the weeds on things. But I think that's where people fall prey into, you know, maybe bad investments or Ponzi schemes or, you know, maybe unsuitable, not necessarily unsuitable, but maybe into products that that might not necessarily be as great as as other solutions or strategies. Yeah, I think the more you know, the better the decisions you're going to make. And you're listening to this show. We are a fee only financial planner. That's kind of where you want to start. You'd rather talk to a financial planner that is not trying to sell you a product. And there's lots of Joe's. There's lots of good books. I mean, what would you, if there's a single book out there, what would you recommend? Um, for what? Just uh, overall Gen- comprehensive financial planning or yeah, investing or just taxes? to get educated. Com- you know, overall financial planning. You know, I really like Rick Edelman's books. You yeah. know, the Truth About Money is a pretty good book. I've okay. read that about four or five times. Okay. It's, it's, you know, it's big, It's but it's, it's sure. easy to read. Yeah. 
Larry Suedro has several good books as well. Almost any one of his are good. Yeah, I mean, his is more geared towards, you know, how do you construct the overall portfolio. Sure, sure. Larry's been on the show many times. We have a, actually a recommended le- reading list on yeah. our website at purefinancial.com. Right, right. Uh, but getting educated. Or you could go to one of, um, I, I teach a retirement planning course at just about any local university here in Southern California. We're in Los Angeles. Uh, we teach in um, Orange Coast College in Irvine, um, in Mission Viejo. We also teach, and yeah. then um, in San Diego, several San Diego um, locations. In, in several San Diego locations. So, if you want to go to a retirement planning course, um, I think the cost is fifty bucks. It's two nights. It's six hours. You get a textbook, um, and then from there you can take that information. In in most cases, you can potentially then create your own retirement financial plan. So. Yeah, that's a good idea, Joe. I think the second one here is make an honest assessment of where you are in terms of your finances. And so, what does that mean? I mean, here's here's the problem. Now, this is this is a good point because I think a lot of times people approach retirement or they look at retirement with rose-colored glasses. Right. Right. It's um, all right. Well, here I haven't saved anything. Um, but I'm going to retire, and it doesn't, I don't know, it's just like they think, if, if they keep hoping, it's going to happen. Yeah, I've, I've actually heard a, a psychologist recently talking about the baby boomer generation and how they have, they're very hopeful, very hopeful generation, and they always presume everything's going to work out fine. But when it comes to retirement, you got to take a look and see where you're actually at. you got to look at your assets and liabilities. And what that means is, what assets do you have to create a retirement income? How much do you have in your retirement accounts? How much do you have outside of your retirement accounts? Do you have real estate? Do you have rental property? How are you going to create that retirement income? Then you take a look at, well, what am I spending? And what kind of uh, fixed income sources do I have? Social Security is obviously one of them. Do you have pension plans? Do you have rental property income? You kind of got to take a look at where you're at to assess how close you are to retiring. Right. And then that kind of leads into the third one. Do the math so you act on information, not emotion. You have to do a little bit of math here is to say, all right, well, here's the assets that I have. Here's the income that I want to produce from the assets. Is it going to make sense? I mean, if, if you want to spend $100,000 a year and you have $200,000, all right, well, you know, it's not going to last very long. So you want to make sure that you look at the math and say, how do I go about constructing this? And do I have enough capital to maintain that lifestyle? Or are you willing to significantly reduce your lifestyle? And then we hear this. It's like, well, I'm going to continue to work forever. right? But here's a statistic for you. Half of people are forced into early retirement. Half. So for those of you listening, hey, you know what? I'm going to work another 20 years until I'm 80. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. You have a 50% shot. That's not going to happen. God bless you if you can do it, if you still want to do it. Uh, But unfortunately, with health issues and everything else that goes on, a lot of times people cannot continue to work as long as they want. Um, Cash is not king, Big Al. Yeah, well, that is true. And it's funny because I'm the treasurer of our homeowners association, and we we have a CD that's paying about 0.3%, which is nothing. And so now it's finally coming due, and I'm looking around, and and I'm finding as much as maybe 1%, right? Which is, you know, so for a homeowners association, you want to take risk. But when it comes to your own portfolio, a 1% rate of return, you're just going backwards. I mean, inflation on average over the last 30 years has been over 3%. So if you're earning 1% and inflation is 3%, you're losing purchasing power. And the thing that people don't realize is when they retire, let's say that you retire at 65, you're probably going to live another 20 years, in some cases 30 years or longer. So if you have a 1% rate of return for 20, 30, 40 years, it's just simply not going to cut it. Right. And so that's why having a strategy in place to, f- first of all, take a look. How much money do you have? How much money are you spending? Right. What is your other income sources going to be? And then create a strategy to make sure that you're making the right rate of return over the long term. Of course, it's going to, you know, if you're invested in stocks or bonds, are volatile. 
depending on what type of bonds, of course, you own and what types of stocks you own. Educate yourself to understand how much risk that you're taking in the portfolio. Uh, a couple of others here is make an extra mortgage payment. So, you know, th th there's two, um, I guess, rules of thumb here. I don't know if you can have two rules of thumb. Uh, two <laughs> you different got, well, you, thought processes. You, you got two thumbs. So you, got, you do have two thumbs. When you look at debt in retirement, all right, so a mortgage payment, right? no one wants to have debt in retirement. I get that emotionally. I don't want to have a mortgage payment when I'm retired right? because that's extra cash flow coming out that you could be using that, those dollars on different things. But if you look at where interest rates are right now and the tax deductibility of that interest rate and that it is a, a fixed payment for 30 years, right? It might make sense financially to continue to hold a mortgage payment. So emotionally speaking, pay it off. Financially speaking, um, maybe dive in and take a d different look to see what makes sense. Another one, Al, is, is that looking at retirement assets and not understanding the tax consequence. Yeah, that's very true, Joe, because most of your assets, if you look at it, are probably in retirement accounts like an IRA, 401k, 403b. And so when you start taking money out of those accounts, you got to pay taxes because you got a tax deduction going in. In some cases, you might have a little bit of basis tax-free, but in, in the majority, 99% of that income is going to be fully taxable. And it's very important to consider taxes in retirement because it's really not what you earn, it's what you keep. And taxes are something that you actually do have some control over as long as you know how to manipulate and utilize the tax code to your advantage. And the thing is, Joe, I would say it's, it's common that people People don't realize that they have any control over their taxes. But it's not true. In retirement, you got more control than any other time in your life because now you're creating your own income stream. And depending upon where you take those dollars out of is going to affect your income taxes. Got to take a break. We'll be right back. Show's called Your Money Walk. Now back to Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 AFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money or Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with Big Al Klopine. He is a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Alan, I got some things here that I was actually I was shocked. Really? So surprised that these things were actually taxable income to me. Oh, it looks like you got eight things. I was su super surprised <laughs> on eight things. Employee awards. Employee awards, right? They want the, the government wants you to pay taxes on those? Yes, you don't did just you know get that? the awards? Right. Rewards for doing um, good work? Like like if you go on a vacation or get a paid vacation? Yeah, like vacation trips. Um, you know, I worked for a large uh, Fortune 50 company, and I was a VP, and I received an award. I got this globe. Okay. Right? And yeah. this is probably 20, 15 years ago. Yeah. Got this really cool that's pretty, globe. Yeah, that's cool. Right? And I was like, wow, this is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Then I get like a, 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 a tax bill for it. It was like 500 bucks. <laughs> Okay, you got put on your on your W two or ten ninety nine. Yeah, and then well, I got the award because they took us to a, um, like to Cabo San Lucas. Oh, okay. Oh, for the award. And so we all went to Cabo San Lucas, right? Sure. We hit some goals or sure, did, did sure. something like that, yeah. right? So we're all in Cabo for like a week. Yeah, great time. Yeah, beverages, food. Yeah, five star hotel. Okay. Yeah, I got taxed on it. Oh boy. Well, that you know, that's I, I would say that's that's true. That's that's in the tax code. A lot of companies ignore that, but that is true. All right, here's another one for you. Okay, money won in a lawsuit. Did you know that? Okay, well, yeah, it depends what it's won for. Well, you want to elaborate? 
<laughs> sure. Yeah. So if if you win a lawsuit for like like wrongful termination, lost wages, or something like that, then that's taxable because it would have been taxable. But if it's for medical damage reimbursement, then that's not taxable. So it, it depends what it's for. So you sued someone and then you settled out of court. Unfortunately, you have to pay the IRS. Yeah, and here's here's the problem. You win a million dollars, you pay the attorney four hundred thousand. Let's just say, so you get six hundred thousand, but you have to record a million dollars of income. You get to deduct the attorney's fees as a miscellaneous itemized deduction, but that'll throw you into alternative minimum tax, and which you don't get to deduct it in alt min. So you're paying tax on a million, right? So by the time you get your money after paying the attorney, it's not quite as good as you thought. What, what is it? Ten bucks? About. <laughs> Yeah, that's a tough one. So yeah, it depends. It depends what kind of lawsuit. But if it's for any sort of lost income or wages, it's fully taxable. How about canceled debt? Oh yeah, canceled canceled debt. That's definitely income because you would have paid off the debt with after-tax dollars. That's why when it's canceled, it's income. So we saw a lot of that um, 2009. Yeah, right. 10. Yeah, and in fact, uh, remember the IRS came out with the special provision because so many people were losing their homes. So they said, all right, so the first $2 million of, of canceled debt on your residence, we're going to forget that that's taxable. Right, and they actually kept extending it. They even extended it this year, but it it expires at December thirty first of two thousand sixteen, and but state of California did not conform, so it's still taxable in California. Huh. Alimony, that's taxable. Yeah, it is. Child support is not, but alimony is. So if I receive alimony, um, because that's taxable income to me, yeah, does that qualify then um, for me to, let's say, fund a retirement account? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think it. I think you can. I think. I think you read that actually. I think I can. Yeah, but you want to fund a Roth IRA? Yeah, I, I think. I think the answer is yes. So, but, but because, I, won't, I mean, you're paying tax on it, right? But you're not paying self-employment tax on. So I. I'm so not, there was there was a couple because also if you receive um, disability income yeah. through your employer, right. Um, that also would be able to qualify for, for you to uh, continue, continue yeah, to fund I, a, a I, retirement I, account. I think that's right. So I'm not. Don't hold me to. But I think that's right. How many times do you think this actually is reported? A uh, renting out a room. <laughs> Seldom. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That just kind of slips away. How about Air, but Air, Airbnb? Yeah, you know, I would imagine if you're on there, they would probably kind of take a look at that. Well, they they certainly could, and and the the problem with Airbnb is if you occasionally uh, rent your home out, you know, then if you're living in the home more than 14 days, which if it's your home, you would, then you got to do this allocation between rental, right, and and residence, and it's it's kind of a hassle. But yeah, I I bet you a lot of people skip that. Now here's a rule though: if you rent your home. 14 days or less, you don't have to count the income. Yeah, I, I'm reading that right here. Less than 15 days, you do not need to pay the tax on the profits. Yeah. So, so just rent your place for 15 days and charge like 50 grand. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and and here's and the corresponding rule is this: if you have a vacation rental and you use it for 14 days or less, you, it can be considered a full rental. Is year. that a calendar year or a 12 month period? That's a calendar year. So like, let's say. Right at the end of December, January, you could yeah, you could straddle two, like a two week. Sure, you could of, yeah, rent it for four, four weeks. Yeah, full month. Right? Yeah, right. Two weeks in December, two weeks in January. That'd be fine. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. There's a little tidbit for you. A little, little tax tip from Big Al. <laughs> tax chat. Uh, class action settlements. Yeah, that's that's kind of the same as lawsuits. 
yeah, I suppose. So bank, gym, or phone company, or some other business did you wrong by charging fees that you later uh, declared illegal by a court, and you received some money, great, says the IRS. If you expect uh, settlement proceeds, uh, then you got to pay the tax. So, so those are just a couple of little things there that you probably didn't know that was taxable. Yeah, it is interesting, Joe. And and so when it when it comes to taxes, of course, now we're in February, February twentieth. I guess we're already kind of in tax season, and people are getting their records and getting ready to prepare tax returns. And April fifteenth, of course, is the due date, except for this year. This year, tax returns are due April 18th, and there's a whole myriad of reasons why that's true. It has to do with a holiday in Washington, D.C. that's on a Sunday, so then Monday is the holiday, so the taxes are actually due on Tuesday, the 18th. Only Washington, D.C. has that holiday? Yeah, but it affects all of us, I guess. But what's a holiday? I don't know. I forget. But it's some holiday specific just to Washington, D.C. And so all of us get an extra day, which in some cases accounts are rejoicing because they have more time. But in, in most cases, they're saying, oh, my goodness, I got I have to do three more days of tax season. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah, because you guys do always put it out to the last second. Yes, we we always do. But you know why? It's because our clients bring us the information the last second. Oh, is that how it that's, works? That's how it works. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Have you ever noticed when you take your stuff to your accountant on October 10th? 14th? <laughs> you get hey, can we get this October done? October 15th. At like 8 p.m.? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I thought he was just lazy. Yeah. Well, speaking of tax, uh, this tax deductions, out 10 outrageous client tax deductions. Uh, this did you know that I was in this? No. Look at that. Oh my God. I'm gonna read this. I'm gonna picture of me in this publication. Everything. Here's here's Why don't you my. Read that at the break. Uh, after the break. All right. Yeah, because we're I guess we're out of time. Yeah. You want to talk about something? Yeah. Nah. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this. Since we're on the topic of taxes, I think uh, most of our listeners would like to know how to reduce their taxes. I think so. Right now, I mean, people are you know just starting the tax season. Yeah. You know, yeah. Getting yeah. The, the things together. Yeah. So, do you know? Um, did Did you know, Joe? <laughs> you know what's coming. I hate taxes. So do I, Alan. I hate them too. All right, we got to take a break. Don't go anywhere. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio Seven Sixty KFMB. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I am with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. What? Um, so Big Al is uh, at the break here, is bragging to me that he made uh, the financial planning magazine once again <laughs> on ten outrageous tax deductions. And I go, well, how? You know, well, that's a pretty cool article. He goes, yeah, most of them are terrible, <laughs> except for mine, of course. I read a couple. I mean, I want to hear about the ten outrageous. Huh? Let's just go the, the most outrageous. Most outrageous. Okay, that's the last one. That's actually a pretty good one. All right. I'll read that one. So this is uh, this is this is from Leon Labrecue. <laughs> Give or take. <laughs> oh my god! How would you pronounce it? <laughs> Not even good. <laughs> At least I tried. All right. So he's, he's an advisor with uh, KPR Financial Advisors. Okay, so he goes, uh, we had an adult entertainer. So oh. Get your interest right no, I don't already know. She, right she could bat. probably write off um, some. <laughs> Her boob job? Yes. Uh, we n- talked about that a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, but this is different. Oh. Uh, but you're on the right track. 
Oh boy. So we had an adult entertainer that had been doing her own tax returns and writing off her costumes. So she got audited and she contact she contacted my prior firm. So we had to show the agent her skimpy costumes. So oh, they took gosh. that to the audit. <laughs> she tried on. They, <laughs> oh my. And he said, which was a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he says, We lost the audit <laughs> since the agent determined and we conceded that the um, exotic dance costumes did have other uses of personal nature. So Yeah, by entertaining a bunch <laughs> of freak CPAs. <laughs> hey, well, let's get her in, guys. Yeah, hey, maybe yeah. she'll try them on for us. You know, uh, our buddy uh, Ed Slot got in here. Oh, okay. I'll read his. You, you know him, Ed Slot, CPA. Yeah. Probably one of the most foremost experts on IRAs in the country. So this is uh, this one was from an anesthes- anesthesiologist who his friend told him he could buy a large SUV and write it off as a business vehicle. Well, you can if it's used for business, but then Ed said, "Well, uh, well you can't really do that since this was a personal vehicle." So I asked him, "What kind of business travel would that be for? You're a hospital-based anesthesiologist. You don't have to travel to any patients. You travel to and from work. It's it's commuting." So he went back to his friend, and his friend told him he could take a full write-off saying it was an ambulance. But SUV qualifies for an ambulance. Wow. I told him his friend is obviously a better accountant than me, and I got rid of him as a client. <laughs> Beware of clients with friends who are tax experts. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> All right, you want to hear mine? Yes, I do. I've been waiting for the last three minutes. After, after the other two. Okay, but this is the true story. Okay, well, I hope it is. It is. The CPA should be honest. They, we are honest. That's our code. So uh, a travel agent wanted to deduct all of her Grateful Dead tickets and related travel expenses because her business specialized in providing travel arrangements to Grateful Dead fans. So, of course, she came to me and said, I said, well, show me your expenses. And she went to about 50 concerts. Wow. She wanted to write all that off because that's where she does her marketing. Okay. So that was mine. Did you do it? No. Oh. <laughs> I, uh, it sounds legit. Yeah, not really. No? Not really. It's, it's, it made the outrageous list. Oh. Yeah. So what? did someone contact you and say, hey, did you, do you have something outrageous that... Yeah, you know, NAPFA, we get those things. Oh, uh, yeah. National uh, Association. Association of Personal Financial Advisors. Yes, thank you. Ah. Uh, anyway, so they said, uh, if you have an outrageous tax story... So I sent mine in, and you know what? I've never had this happen before. The author actually called me and said, we love your, your, your uh, entry. Can you send a picture? So I did. There it is right in the magazine. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So. Oh, well, that was. That was pretty, well, I, you know, probably, you probably liked the, the first one, right? No. The adult entertainer? No, not even a little bit. I, I, I thought it was kind of appalling by those CPAs bringing her in and putting on that claddy Well, it didn't say that she wore them, that they just brought it in. Whatever. In, <laughs> well, he said it was a hoot. Okay. I'm sure she wore them. Like, really? Why is that a hoot? Because we're CPAs. That's no, the best word we get. Oh. What, right. what would you call it? I wouldn't say it's a hoot. I would be like, no, I don't need to see this crap. <laughs> Get out of my! What are you talking about? No, it doesn't qualify. You wouldn't. Oh, hey, you wouldn't support hey, a taxpayer in hey, need. Hey, Stan, <laughs> I got this, this adult entertainer as a client. This yeah, is look all at BS. But maybe we can get her in. He's here. got the pocket protector. Yeah, yeah, CPA. He does. <laughs> Leon, 
All right. Hey, I want to get into something serious something, here. Something more useful? Yes, because right now people are looking to retire. Now. They, they go to us, and they're like, all right, well, what do I need to do here? So I want to get into some potential threats to your retiring. All right? And this is what uh, Alan and I see um, just about every single day here, is that a lot of you are in the sandwich generation. And you know, what the sandwich generation means is that, all right, well, you have elderly parents that you're caring for. Um, and then you still might have kids on uh, the payroll. And so money is going every which way but your overall retirement. Uh, so I found this. This was at NerdWallet, um, a, a pretty good article here. And it talks about uh, boomerang children. One of the biggest financial risks to retirement is your own grown children. That uh, boom boomers who supported adult children are more likely to still be working, according to a March 2015 study uh, by Hearts and Wallets. An investment in retire, uh, it's an investment in retirement research firm. Only 21% are fully retired compared to 52% of boomer households who are not supporting their adult children. Oh, well, there you go. So, right, you keep them on the payroll long enough, you're jeopardizing your own retirement. I, I get it. I, you love your kids, but have them pay their own cell phone bill, Big Al. <laughs> yeah, but it's a family plan. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right, number two here, caring for elderly parents. Studies uh, provide some sobering statistics here about uh, caring for your elderly parents. 11% of adult children younger than 65 provide money to parents. Uh, this is according to the National Institute of Aging. 25% of adult children younger than 65 help parents with things like chores and personal care, often at the expense of a paying job. In fact... People 50 and older who care for parents lose an average of $300,000 in pay, Social Security benefits, and pension benefits, according to uh, MetLife. Wow. Okay. All right. If your parents need financial support, uh, the National Council of Aging uh, site is, uh, what is it? It is, uh, let's see. Na- uh, yeah, go to the National Council of Aging. Uh, that website is a good place to find assistant programs uh, that uh, can take some of the burden off you. So, uh, number three is a spouse dying without life insurance. All right. So, this happened um, in my own personal family. My father passed away at 62 years of age and had about eight bucks in life insurance. And he was basically the breadwinner, owned his own company. Um, and so, yeah, that kind of hurts a little bit. So, make sure that you're properly covered, right? If you're the breadwinner of the family. Make sure that if, you know, God forbid, if something were to happen to you prematurely, uh, is there something that's going to take care of the kids, the spouse, the surviving spouse, and everything else? Um, number four is a medical crisis. Medical bills are the leading cause of bankruptcy in the United States. Even if, even if you can cover your medical bills um, without digging into your savings, an injury or chronic illness could prevent you or a spouse from working during those final years before retirement. Like I said earlier in the show, it's like 50% of people are forced into early retirement. Uh, here's another one, uh, retirement scams. Anxiety about not having enough money for retirement creates a fertile ground for scammers. Uh, notable uh, so-called seven. Oh, let me see here. Notable example: so-called 702 accounts, which are life insurance policies marketed as retirement accounts. Scammers often use free early re- uh, retirement seminars as a way to pitch their strategies. Uh, this is out of Finra. All right. 
so the Financial uh, Industry Regulatory Authority. So be careful. If someone's pitching you life insurance as an investment, um, you know, you might want to double check the fees, the cost, the cost of insurance, the liquidity of the overall product. Yeah, because it sounds great. You put money in it, gross tax deferred. You can pull money out tax free. And guess what? Oh, you also have this life insurance. Some people call it like a super Roth. You know, be careful with that. Sometimes, very few times it works, depending on, of course, what your health is, what the cost of insurance is, how much that you're funding it. All right, I got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth.